Hello, everyone. It is Thursday, March 10th, Mario Day. Uh, time for another edition of the Tom's Hardware Show. Uh, thank you for joining us as always. Today, we are talking about all of the stuff that Apple announced earlier this week, including the new M1 Ultra desktop chip, uh, the Mac Studio, which is, they I think it's like a Mac Mini on like... Uh, I don't want to say steroids. It's so lazy. Um, I want to call it a Mac Maxi, but I don't know if that's YouTube appropriate. Um, and we're also going to talk about the studio display, which is a new monitor that goes with the Mac uh, Maxi. Uh, so without further ado, I'm going to find it and we're going to roll a thing. So hello, everyone. Again, this is Michelle Earhart. Uh, joining me today is senior editor Andrew Friedman. How are you, Andrew? Doing all right. How are you? I'm great. Uh, and also joining me is staff writer Isaac Grouse. How are you, Isaac? Doing very well. I'm ready to talk about some Apple stuff. Awesome. Um, so I know that we are a very PC uh, focus site. We have so much PC coverage. I feel like that's probably where a ton of our readership uh, leans as well. Um, but it's always very important to cover Apple, especially because Apple has been setting the pace recently uh, for a lot of new tech with stuff like its M1 chip. Uh, there's a huge in-house uh, chip trend now, partially, I think, because of that. Uh, and they announced a new M1 chip in their stream this week, the M1 Ultra. This is a desktop chip that they're making some pretty hefty claims about. Uh, Andrew, what do you think about the M1 Ultra? Sure. So I'm pretty curious about it. And for those who didn't see Apple's presentation, the M1 Ultra is effectively two M1 Maxes sort of fused together. They call it their Ultra Fusion architecture and that they have connected two of them. And you can get real deep into how that works. But the effective version of it is it's two M1 Maxes. In fact, I'm a little confused by that. I feel yeah, like I actually Ultra a, should have been the Max. Like, which one? I actually the Max have a photo pulled up over go. here. So yeah, you, you can, can see, see the, the base M1, the M1 Pro, the M1 Max, and now that they're wearing the Potara earrings, they've done the fusion dance. Uh, this is just two M1 Maxes together. Right. And so, yeah, this they're oh, go ahead. Evan. No, I was just going to go right along with that with the naming scheme. It's kind of a. Uh... The naming scheme is kind of weird, but it's trying to fit in this kind of weird ecosystem of naming schemes that Apple has with other products. But it feels like, like, like you guys were saying, like it's M1 is Super Saiyan, and then you have all these before stages before you get to Super Saiyan 2. Ultra yeah. is definitely like a very like hyper aggressive, like kind of razor name. Uh, it's not something Which that I mean I'd expect from like Apple's sleek thing. But I know we were talking in the office yesterday about like the M1 Max versus the M1 Ultra, right, Andrew? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and to be fair, like this is pretty ultra. They're bumping it up to, I think, the 20-core CPU and 64-core GPU. So for Apple's tech, this is a pretty big deal. It's also the first processor they're putting exclusively in a desktop, at least for now. Like we haven't seen, we haven't seen a laptop. So it's, you know, there's a lot riding on, riding on this in terms of how can they make desktop performances. This isn't the Mac Studio, which they announced it in, isn't the Mac Pro. But I think a lot of people are going to look at the Mac Studio and say, okay, how can M1 handle desktop workloads? So right. there's going to be, so there's going to be a lot of So if you're not 
if you're not aware, uh, alongside the M1 Ultra, they announced the Mac Studio yesterday, uh, which is what I was referring to as the Mac Maxi uh, or the Mac Mini on steroids. It's just like a very tall, kind of chonkier uh, little desktop box uh, that can have either an M1 Max or an M1 Ultra inside. And it's actually got a bit more I.O. support than you would expect uh, a yes, like, Mac U- Mini to have. A. It has USB Type A. Yes. Right? Thank you. So yeah, that's I mean, very exciting yeah. to see. This is very reminiscent of what they did with the MacBook Pro. And sort of like, okay, our Pro users want something, fine, we'll, we're, we're going to give it to them. So you get the four Thunderbolt, four, is it four Thunderbolt? Are they all, I think they're all Thunderbolt 4 on the back. Um, you get your Ethernet, two USB Type A ports for. Are they all Thunderbolt Four? I guess that icon those, would make us think they're all yeah, Thunderbolt Four. I those are on the on the front. It becomes a question, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, you get your HDMI and your headphone jack. Now, the front is a little interesting because the front is different depending on which one, well, which model you get. You get the SD card slot either way. And again, they're making the they're bringing the SD card slot back here the same way they did on the Mac. Good to see. I kind of wish they brought Type A back on the Mac too, but here we are. Those are Thunderbolt 4 if you get the M1 Ultra. If you get the base level M1 Max version, they're USB Type-C. Uh, so there is a lot of supposed power with this thing that we'll get into in a moment, but I want to uh, focus on the M1 charts before we get to that because Apple's made some pretty uh, big claims about the M1 Ultra. You can sort of see... Uh, you know, obviously this is very judged up, but what the chip looks like here. And then they also showed some charts during their stream, which like, okay, power consumption versus a PC desktop, not a lot of specific specs there, but this is the thing that I really wanted to get into in the stream and why I decided to launch right into the M1 when we started talking, um, which is okay. They highlight... New York apartments, baby. Uh, So they highlight uh, power here, um, but they compare this to highest and discrete GPU, which they didn't name, but pretty much all the coverage I've seen of this thing uh, calls that the RTX 3090. I believe they did. I believe they did name it in their sort of in their notes at the bottom. Okay. and then they, they have the power consumption bar at the bottom of this chart here. But what they have is relative performance. And they actually have the M1 Ultra beating the RTX 3090 in this chart. Obviously, we're looking at their chart. We do not necessarily endorse this claim. But this is such a wild, interesting thing to say about an integrated GPU on a desktop chip that, yeah, the Mac Studio is larger than the Mac Mini, but it's still like not that big of a device, right? And I have to wonder what task they are talking about here where the not M1 gaming. Ultra performs higher. It, it can't be gaming. Um, I'm, I don't know, they don't look, they, didn't, they don't say in a lot of their workloads that, you know, they have the legal at the bottom. It often says like, a representative workload or an industry standard test or something like that. It's unclear what test they're, they use to get this number. I would love, honestly, I'd love to know, to know because, look, I mean, a lot of people aren't going to buy the M1, the, the Mac Studio with the M1 Ultra for gaming anyway. There's not a 
ton of games in the Mac. So pick a, I'm just I'm I'm curious which workloads it is. Is it in Apple's own software they, where they can really tune for that, or is it in something like Photoshop? I don't know, but I'm not expecting anyone to like boot up. Um, I'm just trying to think of games that work on Mac, like Civ Six or Tomb Raider, and have it at like 3090 level performance. That's just oh no, I wouldn't expect for gaming either. But we still like yeah. Nvidia is still sold in productivity laptops, especially oh, yeah. like higher end studio ones. Um, so this is pretty interesting to see because um, theoretically, fact, then this means that like the Mac would be the more powerful ecosystem than Windows for a little while, if this turns out to be true. Very I'm, small, I, yeah. like, increment, but... You know, every, every company kind of judges this up to its own way based on how they find the benchmarks. So I think we're going to have to wait for third-party benchmarks to get a better, clear idea of this. Right. Um, the CPU I, stuff yeah. was interesting, too. Oh, sorry, go on. So the CPU stuff, you had pointed out, um, they're talking about the sort of pairing it to the Core i5 12600K with DDR5 and saying that it could like basically operate at this M1 ultra component at the same level as that chip while using about 65% less power. And the side you have there um, is like, if you like really push this thing to the limit, suggesting it could maybe run multi-core performance compared to like the Core i9 12900K get with 90% higher performance with less power which seems kind of bonkers. I, you know, I wonder how much, how easy this is going to be to get versus like Intel, newer Intel chips aren't that difficult to get, but uh, RTX cards still difficult to get. Um, and this is promising, you know, not necessarily for gaming, but for workloads, potentially comparable power, the Mac Studio starts at, I believe, somewhere in the 1300s, right, Andrew? No, no, no. You're, you're thinking of this, the display, I believe. The, the, Mac the Studio display st starts at 1599. I know that. And the Mac and the Mac Studio starts at, uh, oh, you're, it starts at 2000. Okay. Wow. I didn't think to look it up before the stream. Apologies, everyone. Yeah. Um, but around $2,000. That's very expensive. But like an RTX 3080 right now, if you reasonably want to buy it is around like twelve hundred dollars and this is promising to be closer to the rtx 3090 in performance well yes and no the the two thousand dollar one is for the m1 max okay if you want the m1 ultra you're starting at fourth at four thousand okay and, and that is with the 48 core gpu so if you want you have to pay more if you want to get the full six core GPU, at which point you're talking a minimum of 5,000, and that's with 64 gigabytes of memory. If you want to push it to give 128 gigabytes of memory, now you're talking like 50, like 5,800, and then plus you can add storage. So I'm not, I don't have it up in front of me which specific configuration they used to compare if it was the 60, I imagine it was the 64 core, but how much memory they gave. But a lot of that's going to factor into this as well as the workload. So Andrew is our sort of relative Apple expert. Uh, so he's a, a lot, knows a lot more than I do on this particular topic, but like Andrew, that's pretty expensive. I understand this is probably aimed towards enterprises, uh, maybe freelance, but fairly like um, 
stable video or audio professionals and then like the major mac heads uh who don't care how much things cost uh what do yeah. you think about that sort of pricing and power versus mac's previous uh devices especially given that uh we didn't see any laptops announced yet um during the stream and we didn't uh we're not going to be seeing a 27 inch imac coming out yeah i mean that's a that's an expensive price. It, the M1 Ultra is too much power for most people. I mean, frankly, like we haven't tested it. We haven't seen third-party benchmarks. So I don't want to go out there and like make performance claims because all I've seen are apples. But the people who are paying that much power, I'm sure they're paying a bit of an Apple premium. You often do. But yeah, like you said, this is for you know, this is for people who are, you know, working like Disney Pixar level type of stuff. You know, they're the people who are doing animating or 4K or 8K video editing, really high level tasks. And the faster you, if you're doing that in a professional capacity, the faster you can churn that out, you know, the faster your render times, things like that, the more money you save and it pays for itself over time. So if this is happening in enterprise or for freelancers who do this for a living, those prices may make sense for those individuals. So, I mean, hard to say exactly what the difference is. We're going to see. I'm very curious what the M1 Max difference is going to be versus what you see in the 16-inch MacBook Pro. Um, All of this is very pre-preliminary yeah. discussion. The one thing that does bother me a little bit is yeah. when they announced the M1 Max, that felt to me like, okay, that's it. That's the highest M1 we're going to see. The right. next thing is going to be the M2. So if I bought... Right. Uh, an M1 Max device a few months ago, and now we're seeing the M1 Ultra, and I'm one of those people where money is no object. I'm going to feel maybe a little bit miffed, especially given the name M1 Max makes it feel like this is the top M1. Yeah, I mean, it does, but that's also tough. I mean, look, Apple has a whole Mac lineup. I mean, this is a new Mac, right? This is, I don't want to say it's a rarity, but we haven't seen something like this in a bit. They've been switching away from Intel to Apple Silicon. And then you get... There are a couple Intel piece Intel Macs still around, and they're largely now in the Mac Pro. And they actually they hinted the Mac. This is not the new Mac Pro. The Mac Pro is still coming. So there is likely something still. Well, there will be something more powerful than this. Is are they going to call it M1? I don't know. We can guess on their branding. Maybe they won't do it until M2. Maybe they'll have a new brand for it entirely. Do you think but, we might see an M1 Ultra Mac Pro and maybe it'll be cheaper than like fitting it into this tiny little box? Will it be cheaper? Mac Pro, I doubt it'll be cheaper. <laughs> maybe just but, a little bit cheaper just because it's like a more standard desktop format is my only thought, yeah, but. it's Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I feel like we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves in that case. And that the current Mac, the current uh, Mac Pro is built like a PC. It's got a motherboard and an Intel socketed Intel chip, and you can you know, you could add RAM and storage. That's going to go away with M1, probably, unless they come up with a new format for that. The M1, M1 all the way through M1 Ultra is a system on a chip. You have the processor, the graphics, the, and the RAM and the neural engine all onto one thing, all on one thing. I mean, you're not really able to replace any of that, at least in these systems. So. I'm a Mac Pro later on, maybe they'll come up with a way to do that, but putting a RAM somewhere else, for instance, would absolutely sort of go against what they've done so far with M1. Great. As for the, yeah. 
That's what you're saying. Oh, you're sorry, I was like, going to ask Isaac you, if he had any thoughts. Uh, oh, no, go, go for it, Isaac. No, I, I was just going to mention, um, I think uh, I saw a tweet from uh, Marquise Brownlee saying like a maxed out Mac Studio with a uh, M1 Ultra, eight terabytes of S, uh, SSD is like $8,000. Um, yep. And that that's like, if you're going to ask me what I thought about the show, like, it's great. It's like, you know, it's a crazy mashing of like two chips into one, but I'm not in this market at all. Um, I don't have a crazy expense account or anything like that. And I feel like it's crazy for folks who invested in the Max and all these products under the Max. And now it's like, oh, God, uh, what is it, a, a year later, maybe less? It's like a whole new uh, a, a family of, well, a whole new chip comes out extremely stronger. And now if you invest in this, like you said, you have to worry about a year later, they're going to come out with an even stronger, uh, I mean uh, possibly. But that's I, always I the case with these these devices, yeah. though. That's right? always the case. I will say the Macs came out in the MacBook Pro. This is a desktop, so I kind of don't like. I mean, there are some people who specifically use their laptops as their desktops, but there is no M1 yeah. Ultra for a laptop, right? So in a way, they're kind of addressing two different markets. There's the at home, I want a small PC for my desk market, and there's the I want to be able to take this portable market. The M1 Ultra is not going with you unless you're taking this whole thing and a monitor with you. So I maybe there are some people who look at that, but they got a laptop. It's a it's kind of a different thing. It seems right. like you're breaking up a little bit, Andrew. Uh, apologies uh, for that, everyone. That's the thing with doing this live. Um, we do oh, have no. a comment that I think, it, no worries. Uh, we do have a comment. Uh, reminder, feel free to drop your comments in whatever... Uh, platform you're using, and we'll address them throughout the sh show. So Suraj Ag Agarwal, uh, apologies if I butchered that name, says that's a sick update, I assume two Mac Pro TBH. Uh, there are some pretty impressive specs listed here. I moved over to the Mac Studio side uh, just because there's only so much we can glean from the M1 Ultra's uh, you know, very proprietary, very specific charts. This has uh, specs also that we'll have to test on our own. Some of these things um, like, you know, storage uh, transfer rate or bandwidth. Uh, but these are some pretty big claims. What do you think, Andrew? I mean, typically text, but like the things like memory bandwidth, like they're like, they're typically true. Like, and, I mean, that's sort of a, across the board, those types of things. I mean, they, like, they're, those those go through legal, right? So they're typically pretty close to true in that case. Okay, so- now, When you, when you I, get to I, things like those slides com comparing performance, there are things that can sort of be fudged, but these pure text backs, like they're, they're a little less fungible. So I, I bring this up because I'm curious what you think, um, because I know you were you were pretty disappointed that they didn't announce a, a new laptop uh, yeah. during the stream. And I was wondering what you would sort of want from a, a new Mac, given that they have an M1 um, Max MacBook Pro, right? Um, yeah, I mean, so like what sort of specs are you looking for there? I mean, I don't think they need to put the, they can put this in a laptop if they want, but that's going to be, it's going to be the stick, you know? Look, I, I want to looking for a laptop, but that's because I need a laptop in my life. I want lots of options to choose from. 
So I think the two laptops that people were looking looking forward to from the rumor mill were either an updated 13-inch MacBook Pro, which I guess to me is kind of a snooze because the 14-inch exists and is real pretty, or a new redesigned MacBook Air that may or may not have an M2 or similar chip in it. I think a lot of people would like, I've been sort of waiting for the MacBook Air. It's been a while, it's been a while since they introduced it. It didn't, there's all these rumors that it's going to get a refresh with similar design to the MacBook Pro and similar colors to the iMac. I think colors in the, on, the, on the MacBook Air would probably sell like hotcakes. Just like you get walk around with your purple or your yellow or your green. Like it's been a while since Apple's done color outside of the phone and then they did it on the iMac and that excited a lot of people. So, well, Andrew, I know if you want color and if you want an Air device, you could always <laughs> go for the new iPad Air, which has an M1 chip in it, right? Um, and I most we don't cover a ton of tablets or phones on our site, but uh, this is interesting to us seeing an M1 coming to the iPad Air. Apple keeps trying to do this thing where it has like its prosumer tablets that he's mar it's marketing for you to do work on, like we have someone working in SketchUp here. Um, and I don't think it's ever quite taken off. I don't know. What do you think, Andrew or Isaac? Yeah, I like I was when I looked at this, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I'm for sure never um, upgrading from my iPad sixth generation because um, <laughs> all I all I really use these for are like essentially e-readers. Like I understand that it has its place with like, you know, artists and illustrators and so on and so forth. But I have a lot of artists and illustrator friends who either one can't use this, can't use this because they can't afford it or 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 two already have uh, their own systems, um, their own laptops that perform similar functions. You know, they do this, they advertise this as like, oh, you can use multiple apps at once. Once We also see someone playing Genshin Impact on it, which don't get, get me wrong, is a very good looking game, but like my iPhone can play without issue. It's not the most demanding game out there. Um, but like, I feel like these prosumer tablets, in some cases, you get a very similar experience to using a laptop, but then you run into some sort of issue where, you know, the mobile version of an app is it doesn't have a feature you want, or you can't open, uh, you know, a, an app on the side that you want to open, um, or you need some accessory that you don't have. It just always feels a little bit like you're playing with fire if you try to use this as your sole work machine. I can see it being a supplement just fine, um, but that at that point, do you really need something as powerful as an M1? Maybe not, especially because I know a lot of illustrators, like drawing on a tablet is fine for like a casual user, but if it's your job, you might want something with a bit more features and a bit more precision, precision like a Wacom or whatever that can uh, sense pressure and the like, right? It's, it's interesting that you're calling this prosumer because the iPad Air is like very much... It, it's more casual, mid, but the, I feel like this thing is being marketed to, as more of like a give this to your your kid to take to college no, with them not. and this is the only thing they'll need device. I mean, okay. The, I mean, yeah, the give it to your kid is the $329 entry-level iPad that still uses... Chips, they're a little dated. Well, I, was, I don't mean I was, like a 10 year old, I mean like an 18 year old yeah, or whatever. I was surprised to see the M1 go into the iPad Air. I mean, we saw the iPad Air or the iPad Pro get the M1, 
And even to me at the time, I was kind of surprised because I think for a lot of people, that's more power than an iPad needs. So to see that trickle down into the iPad Air was actually kind of shocking. I mean, what it likely means is that it'll get updates for a long time, which is great. But yeah, I mean, it was kind of surprising. I mean, as for working on it, I, I wouldn't do it. I like tinkering with things. I know Isaac, Michelle, you like tinkering with things. There are some, I have, I know people personally who like to use their iPads for everything. They use the keyboard like that. I am not there yet, but there are some cool things they've added for people who use both. I think using both is probably the more likely thing, like being all in on the Apple ecosystem. Right. Mm -hmm. They added, and I'm blanking all of a sudden on the name, but a universal control, right? This idea that you could drag something, like draw something on your Mac, save, or on your iPad, save the file, then drag it using your mouse from your Mac or from your iPad back to your Mac or vice versa and be able to really fuse those things together. So I think that's a cool use of it. I'm not sure I would invest whole in on the ecosystem. You are getting a nice, I will say with the M1, you're getting a nice upgrade in power. I'm curious how that will affect battery life on the air. That's very true mm. also, um, especially because it's a smaller device overall, right? Oh, yeah, it's smaller, thinner. Cool. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Um, so basically, I feel like What's the only issue with this is like, if you're going to get the most use out of it, like you said, you're probably going to need to have another Apple device. Uh, and then I'm just like wondering what this does for you that that other Apple device doesn't. Um, especially if that other Apple device is a laptop as opposed to something like, like the Mac Studio, which is very expensive. I feel like maybe the best use case for something like this is you get the, the Mac Studio and then an iPad on the side for when you need to get up and leave the Mac Studio. And at that point, you're spending like, what, a minimum of $3,500 or, or $2,500? I hesitate to say you need a Mac to like, get the most out of the, to get the most out of the iPad, specifically this iPad. Like it, the story, I, I mean, the story I saw them tell, I agree with Isaac. I, when I use a tablet, I tend to use it as like a social media slash reading device. Same. But they're definitely sort of showing the air as like the play game slash, you know, general creator device. You know, they showed like someone making TikToks and using it for chatting and things like that. I think that's the... totally fair. I mean, like yeah. when the iPad came out, everyone made fun of it. They're like, this has no use cases and now it's taken over the world. So maybe I'm being too much of a, a fuddy-duddy here. I just feel like with these new M1 iPads, Apple is trying to like make fetch happen in a way and, and make people yeah. work pretty much solely from their iPad, um, which isn't something that I personally would feel comfortable uh, doing, but perhaps the more they normalize this, the more adoption we'll see, and uh, maybe I'll be proven wrong. <laughs> or you can get an M1 MacBook Air and do everything that way with the same chip. It's a little more expensive, but it's an option. Right. I feel like that's the type of thing that I would be more comfortable with, but you know, yeah. I don't typically work on a tablet. I use it as a recreation device. Um, yeah. It is interesting to me though, that it's yet another M1 device. Uh, and we've been speculating about the M2 for so long, right. right? So like what, this is yet, going back to the M1 Ultra, this is yet another M1 chip. This is very powerful. 
obviously it's limited in like which bodies it can fit into. We were talking about, um, we wrote an article the other day where we said that the new Mac studio with the M1 Ultra is what, two pounds heavier than the one with the M1 Max because of its cooling. Yes. Um, yes. So obviously it's a little, there's still room for the M2 to grow and do things that the M1 Ultra does not do. But at this point, what would we even expect from an M2 that something in the M1 line, whether it be the think, Pro or the Max or something else doesn't cover? I, I don't think it's going to be like that where the M2 is going to succeed the M1 Ultra. It's very much that my guess is going to be the M2 will succeed the M1, and then eventually there will be an M2 Pro and a 2 Max and M2 Ultra. Like thinking like yeah. when Intel does like 11th to 12th gen, like the i in the i3 in the 12th gen didn't replace the i7 in the 11th gen. Right. I think you're you're right, right? But the thing is that makes the the move to M2 a lot less exciting than it seemed a few months ago when we didn't have so many M1 SKUs, right? It's few, I mean, I, we're looking at potential always, incremental upgrades. But I think that that's sort of what everyone was expecting, that eventually there would be an M2. Like that's That was the rumor, right? An M2 MacBook Pro or M2 MacBook Air that would be in like the budget spot beneath the M1 Pro and M1 Max MacBook Pros. And that, that didn't happen. In fact, an interesting thing that happened the, two days ago, analyst Ning-Chi Kuo of of TF Securities, he has a great track record on, on Apple. He has a ton of supply chain sources. And he tweeted predictions for a new MacBook Air in 2022. And one of them was an M1 chip, suggesting that they might do the full redesign around the M1, suggesting M1 might have a really long shelf life ahead of it, even with even as M2 comes out, they may end up going cross-generation. Who knows? Right, I think that's probably not that uh, unlikely. Um, and it, it's not something that I would have expected to see back when the M1 was the only in-house chip and all the speculation was saying M2 as opposed to, you know, M1 plus, M1 plus plus, right. M1 plus plus plus. Uh, but they did announce one other device that I do want to cover uh, before we start moving into viewer questions. And this is the only device that we're talking about right now that does not have an M1 chip inside, but it does have an Apple chip. It has an A13 Bionic. Uh, this is the studio display monitor that they announced, uh, which I think is especially interesting because it's 27 inches. You can see this is a marketing photo. They show it next to the Mac Studio. They do not have a 27-inch M1 iMac coming out. So this yeah, is, similar. for now, until potential yeah. <laughs> future devices, this is your 27-inch Mac desktop ecosystem solution is to buy two different devices, which is not that you know uncommon for us in the PC space, but these are both very expensive, very proprietary devices. Um, and part of what you know Apple sells itself on is its uh, convenience, and this is not an all-in-one. Uh, granted, you don't have to use the Apple monitor with the Mac Studio, but it does have the A13 Bionic chip, which I bring up because it has integration with Mac OS. Not the most impressive integration, but it does mean it has features like center stage, which kind of works like NVIDIA broadcast, where it keeps you in the center of the camera. It has spatial audio using its six speakers that it comes with. 
Otherwise, it is still a very nice monitor. It is selling itself as 5K, uh, which is another K. We love to see more Ks. I love that for them. Uh, it has a retina display, which is always interesting. Not the first time we've seen it in a desktop device, but I always associate that in my brain with laptops. So it's interesting to see that outside of it. Um, and then it has very impressive specs otherwise, but also some issues uh, with add-ons, which we'll get into later. Um, but I've been talking for a little while. Uh, thoughts on the studio display, Andrew or Isaac? I think this, it's an interesting choice to go with, to pair it there. But I, I think they announced those because they're both studio and they both sort of came out at the same time. There are plenty of other photos of it with the Mac Mini, the MacBook Pro, the I think just the I think the MacBook Air is actually one of them. So you, you could use this with some with something else. You could. I think yes. there are definitely a lot of people disappointed there's not like an iMac Pro that's 27 inches. I think it's still rumored that it may exist at some point. To I some, this might. Oh, go on, sorry. Go to some, this might be. I mean, this is a lot more money, right? To get this 5K display and then to buy another computer. I mean, no one's making you get the Mac Studio. In the long run, it may end up like if you're buying a 5K display now like you're not you're not going to get something cheap period apples are expensive in a way it creates a little less waste in that you can keep swapping out just the computer as opposed to throwing an entire monitor away each time so in that way you could say it's an investment but it's you know it is a lot for a monitor you don't have to get this monitor a lot of people will say i got my mac studio i need to have the studio display <laughs> so I, I i hope for the sake of the people who do want it that they do create that but i mean this otherwise there have been people clamoring for an apple display that is not five thousand dollars like the xdr display currently is so this is actually the more affordable one to a lot of people right it starts at 15.99 which is still right. my pc user brain reads that as being very very expensive for a monitor um and then it can get more expensive so this is it comes with a nano texture glass option, which basically means this is something you use to reduce screen glare. Uh, that costs $300 to add on. Uh, and then the, the big thing that I think is maybe a little beyond the pale for me is uh, it comes with a tilt adjustable stand by mm -hmm. default. Let me actually At swap those here. <laughs> oh, sorry. So at least it comes with a stand. At least it comes XDR with a stand. Display. It's also VESA mountable by default, which is good. Right. Uh, like we said, we're comp comparing to the XDR, it's decent, but comparing to other non-Apple monitors. So the, it comes with tilt adjustability by default. You can tilt it up to 30 right. degrees out. But for an extra $400, wow. you can make it height adjustable with this tiny little bar here that's right. supposed to make it feel weightless. That feels like a lot to me. Isaac, I know I got a reaction from you there. Well, I mean, that's what Apple does, right? Wasn't there a bunch of like, uh, I forget what product it was. It was like a, I think it was a microfiber cloth. That was just an exorbitant amount of money that people were like, what don't. I think it was like $10? Something. It was something weird, but it was, it was way more expensive than it had any reason to be um, just to get it. Um, I, I I like this display a lot. I, I, I like Andrew said, this is like super an investment. It's the only display you would ever need for a long time going forward. I feel like the but, only issue I have. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. 
The only issue I have with it is it does pretty much everything that our, our best monitors that we tend to recommend do. Uh, you can also mount it portrait style. I don't have a photo for that here, but going back to the specs, uh, obviously we can't endorse this because we haven't tested it ourselves. You know, it's claiming 1 billion colors, 600 nits of brightness. Those are very high specs, uh, even amongst what we tend to consider the best. It's got three USB-C ports. It's also got one Thunderbolt 4 port, which you can use to like charge your device as you use it. Um, so you don't have to like plug it into a wall. You can just plug it into your monitor, which is kind of nice. And then, you know, six speakers, which I think translates to four tweeters and two woofers. Uh, woofer for bass, tweeter for higher frequencies is pretty nice, especially when it comes with a uh, built-in virtual surround sound. Those are all things you can do on Windows as well. They do get pretty expensive on Windows too. Um, maybe not up to $15.99 or $22.99 if you add on everything, but uh, decently expensive. And then the big thing is 5K. Uh, which is something that like even the best Windows monitors, there are 8K ones out there, but 4K is still seen as like the primo right now. Um, yeah, I mean, this, 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 is, this isn't a consumer monitor, right? This is like a reference monitor for people who are doing pro stuff. But actually, while you're on the stand real quickly, I wanted to point out something that I think not a lot of people have seen, but I read about it the other day and I verified it. It is true. Whichever stand you pick, you're stuck with. Oh. <laughs> because it ends up, if you look in like their notes, each, I'm reading this right now for beta from Apple's website. Note, each stand or mount adapter is built in. They are not interchangeable, so it's important to consider your workspace needs at the time of purchase. So if you leave with the tilt adjustable stand and then later you want a visa mount, that's not possible. They have built the stand into the computer, which to me seems kind of kind of nuts. And to me, it suggests that the best thing to get is the visa mount, because you can always change that. It might not look as pretty, but I don't fact, like using a visa mount for anything but my TVs, Andrew. Uh, okay, but the fact that they haven't, like, you can't choose later. Which I live I in a New a York apartment, Andrew. Yeah. I'm not going to drill holes into my wall every time I move. Well, you might not drill holes into a wall, but you could buy other stands you, in case you want, like, for instance, Does I have Does it have compatibility mount. with other stands? I mean, yeah, if you buy the visa mount, plenty That's of stands true. use visa. That's That would be my reasoning for getting it, because otherwise you just you can never change and you don't know what your workspace is going to look like. And if this is an investment, which I believe it to be, it's something you might not know what your workspace is going to look like in three, five years. So that's a little hard to know. The other thing about it is we wrote about this this morning is that um, Apple confirmed to Mac rumors that there are some different, you can use this with Windows. It works. It's a, it's a monitor. Some things won't work as exactly as, for instance, the, the webcam in there will work, but you won't get center stage. Mm-hmm. And, and so there are sense, some, right? Right. So there are some smaller features that won't work with Windows, but as long as you have a computer with a graphics card that can power this and has support for all of the different color gamuts, then you can still use this with a Windows PC if you wanted. My, but what the reason I brought up all those specs we were talking about earlier is this is a very nice monitor, regardless of the price. It's an investment. Yeah. It can do pretty much everything you want, except... That refresh rate, we're still not 100% sure was it what it is. I, I think we're pretty sure at this point hertz. it's 60 hertz. Okay. We, uh, but, we were looking yeah. at it when this came out and we found that, yeah. but under the electrical section, so yeah. we don't think that's what it was talking about. Um, but if this is a, a 60 hertz refresh rate monitor, granted, this isn't something you're going to be using for gaming. This isn't something that's marketed at gamers, no. but we even see phones 
that aren't marketed at gamers coming out with 90 hertz, 120 hertz screens just for a nicer UI experience. And that's the one thing I could see this potentially being left in the dust on if you intend to buy it and then keep it for five to 10 years. Andrew, you're giving me a, a yeah. scrunch, scrunched up the face. On, the only reason I'm giving you the scrunched up face is because it's running at 5K and I just don't know what you're expecting to run at 5K at more than 60 Hertz. Well, it could, you could potentially lower the resolution, right? Right. I suppose it's possible. I imagine most people who use something like this tend to leave it at that like that high, that high res. I, I mean, I suppose it's possible you might be able to. And I, I'm sure there are, you know, creators who are making video that for devices that go above 60 hertz who do appreciate that functionality. I guess that's a trade-off of resolution versus refresh rate. It's that's a almost very, always the case. It's a very minor issue, but you know, so long as we're talking about everything this monitor does, it does do everything. <laughs> Asterisk on that one point. Yeah. I mean, Agree. It's it's not necessarily <laughs> unique in that, just something to keep in mind uh, yeah. with it being sort of an investment-focused device. Uh, Isaac, any any thoughts on the, the studio display before we move on? I was going to bring up the fact um, that it has this the A13 Bionic chip and that it was going to power. If I was wondering if it would power on a Windows device, but Andrew let me know it won't. So now I'm thoroughly disappointed in the product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you uh, you have your uh, Windows PC to your right that you've built yourself, and you're probably not going to abandon that for a bit, right, Isaac? Yeah, it's it's if you're not under the Apple ecosystem, it's very hard to like make bounds to leap into it. <laughs> right, and that's not necessarily a a bad thing. Apple is known for being a kind of closed garden company and people who are bought in really like it. I know I've been sounding a, a lot more pessimistic throughout this stream than my co-hosts, but that's fine. That's a multitude of opinions, right? Um, the Something like the new iPad Air doesn't seem super exciting to me because it's not going to integrate with my PC ecosystem a ton, and it's not something that I'm going to get any new use out of on its own that I don't already get out of my existing iPad because uh, I just use my iPad for comics, right? But you're not going to buy an M1 for comics. So what am I even talking about? But like Isaac said with that, this monitor and his PC, it's just a little more difficult to mix and match pieces of the Apple ecosystem into something else uh, unless you're fully bought in. But this was definitely a very enterprise and like high-end professional focused uh, stream. The one good thing about it working with, about with Windows that's good is I think like there if you're using this for like studio grade work you might work in the thing you might work or even have multiple devices right you might use Macs or something with Windows for others so just I mean the ability to be flexible is good. One thing that I actually do want to comment on and this means nothing because they they didn't provide any benchmarks but they mentioned yeah. studio quality mics. I have never seen something with built-in mics that's worth recording off of. Um, maybe the, that's the 16-inch MacBook Pro had similar claims, and they have anecdotally those have pretty good mics, but I don't think anyone's going to necessarily. I think that's more a, a brag about how good their mics are compared to other inbuilt mics than to like having, you know, something. Right. Like, you, know, you see, I just, Isaac got his mic on a I was just talking. I feel like that's I'm going to be a more impressive setup. 
I feel like I'm constantly getting like the rug pulled out from me uh, during this stream because yeah. I was just talking about, you know, oh, well, this was an enterprise focused stream. And then they like market these mics as being like, oh, these are going to be enterprise level. They're probably not going to be right. <laughs> so it, it's a bit of a mix of like casual uh, and I like that they have professional stuff I, here. I like that it has mics at all. Honestly, most I mean, I do. Don't. So like the fact that because like you know some monitors don't even have speakers like the idea that I could in theory use it for a video call is nice but I'm sure if you're presenting like one is here you probably want to have a fancy setup like Isaac does. I mean it's not an all in one to the level that like something like an iMac is but they still yeah. do like Apple still does make convenience a lot of its uh its image and this already comes with an ultra wide webcam and speakers used in so having to use another device a uh, separate device to be your microphone would kind of ruin that seamlessness a little bit that they always love to go for yeah right if i'm buying this i want it to be my everything i don't want to have to go and buy like uh i worry about like having studio speakers or i have to worry about my my camera not fully being able to function if I don't have the necessary, like, Apple products. So we have a, a comment here saying this is not enterprise or casual. It's studio for content creators from Javier Perea. I think that's right. When I say enterprise, I mean, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Pixar is buying these for its animators. I wouldn't be surprised if Disney is buying this for its animators. I What I basically mean is, like, the cost here is so high that I assume a lot of the customers are going to have someone else paying for it for them, you know, yeah. some company or something. I, Although I there are definitely like freelance audio engineers or 3D animators that run basically businesses of their own that could afford and, and would like to get something like this. I will say I did see a surprising number of receipts being posted on Twitter the other day. Like, look, I, I got one. Apple's finally making the less than $5,000 monitor. So some people just have a lot of money to burn. So they may I, do it. I, I think um, if you're an influencer, this is also like, and I know we're talking about influencers and YouTubers and like some people don't like to get into that idea, but like if this is a business to yours, if you're a creative, yeah, absolutely. I, you're not, I don't think you're gonna see this at IBM, you know, like on every desk or at like Johnson & Johnson on every desk. Right, right. But like a more creative company, there are some companies that are built into the Mac ecosystem. And this is your desktop level upgrade for that, if if that is your company. Um, usually that company isn't a, uh, you know, Johnson & Johnson or something like that. But I could see like a few Silicon Valley companies, you know, upgrading to a, a fleet of Mac studios, perhaps. Uh, but like Andrew said, you know, you also do have those individual diehards who, you know, maybe they're YouTube content creators, uh, maybe they are just really big Mac fans. Uh, I know someone who is a programmer who loves Macs, who bought like a $5,000, you know, coffee shop espresso machine for his home kitchen who probably wouldn't balk at buying something like this. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's a personal level device though. Right. Andrew, I think you're muted. I am, but I wasn't saying anything. Oh, sorry. So <laughs> the reason is because I do have a question for you and Isaac uh, that I want to bring up, um, which is we're talking about 
this stream either focusing on this, maybe not enterprise, maybe I'm a bit mistaken in saying that, but this very high end gear or this right. lower end still M1 casual gear, like the iPad Air, uh, what are you disappointed maybe that they didn't show that you were hoping they would show? I mean, that, that's tough. The rumors always go around. And like, I like seeing the new laptops. I was hoping that, you know, it's been a while since, since they introduced M1 and they had the Mac Mini and the Pro and the, and the Air. And I would have liked to see those refreshed. I think we still have plenty of opportunities this year on WWDC, Apple's developer conference is probably gonna happen the same, around the same time in June it usually does. Uh, I'm sure something will be announced there, whether it's silicon or hardware. So it, there's always typically an October event. I was surprised to see no, nothing on the mobile side, but we also did just get some big updates in the fall. And they may want to keep something like the MacBook Air, which is more likely to be. I mean, we did see the, the iPhone SE coming out. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, everybody's so. But I mean, something like the MacBook Air is probably going to be a volume seller in the fall, like as people go back to, to schools or like for holiday gifts. So I imagine that's why they do that. The SE is interesting. It's a it's an iPhone eight effectively with <laughs> with the iPhone thirteen chip in it. And it looks you, gross. It's green. I don't like the green. You can get it in not green. I just wanted you know to what? make an excuse. As about someone it. with, I'm ripping my case off right now. Ripping it off. But as someone with the green iPhone 11, <laughs> I take I take umbrage with that. I, you know, as someone with the stylish red iPhone 11, uh, I'm happy to have a phone that looks good no matter what, except for the transparent case. My, that's mine's also up because it's case. the only way to actually see the phone's color. So, oh, okay. Phone color is kind of moved. Yeah, Isaac's like, I've got MagSafe. You eat it. <laughs> <laughs> I find it all hilarious. We're under the iPhone like banner. And so, I used else. to have a Pixel 1, and it just. Yeah. I'm dating someone with an iPhone and he kept pestering me like, just get an iPhone, just get an iPhone. And every other day I was saying, oh, I wish I could do this on my phone. I wish I could do that on my phone. He's like, you could do that on an iPhone. So it was time to upgrade. I was like, fine, I'll get an iPhone. And you know what? It lasts longer and is way more powerful and it has some apps that isn't that I couldn't easily find on Android. So the apps are, the apps are effectively my sole reason and it's gotten a lot better. But whenever every once in a while you see something and an app comes out for iPhone first and later comes out for Android, and it's like, on the one hand, I know development's hard, but I think that's lazy development. <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. Tagline is it rings true to this day. <laughs> uh, but, so we have yeah. been mostly talking amongst ourselves for a while, just because there's a lot of devices to get through, and we had some uh, difference of opinion here. So. Uh, that made for a bit of a, an interesting back and forth, but I did say that we would address viewer questions um, and we've both mostly been letting them sit on the side for a little bit. So before we leave, I do want to address some viewer questions. So Mark Emery says, a desktop with that many cores, I think talking about the Mac Studio that can go up to 64 cores, I see this as a data center VM host, not something someone will have on a desk. Uh, which is very interesting because we were just maybe walking back or I was walking back the enterprise claims I was saying earlier. And now we have someone saying like, you know, oh, th that's the only use case I can see for something like this. I mean, yes, this is, goes up to this point. 
and those are maximums, right? The 24 CPU, 64 core GPU. I believe those are with the with the ultra. Um, with the max, you can get it cheaper starting 2000 and with even fewer cores. I'm trying to pull up right now to make sure I have the right number. Yeah, you can start at a 10 core CPU and a 24 core GPU. Oh, I mean, oh, the, the question disappeared. Let me see if I can. Oh, sorry. Oh, it Isaac, it sounds question. like you have uh, the ice cream man outside. <laughs> <laughs> One yeah. nice day I mean, in New York. It's it's definitely designed for a desk. I mean, it's definitely bigger than Mac Mini when you look at even in Apple's own pictures. Like it, the the height absolutely adds something. But I mean, this runs Mac OS. A lot of people love Mac OS for creative applications. I mean, not that there's anything it inherently can do that Windows can't do other than Apple's applications. Right. Um, the reason I, I Mac think OS this... does use cores differently in some ways. The reason so, I think this question is interesting is we have someone saying, um, being a 3D artist in India, if this can replace my Threadripper 32 core desktop, I would honestly replace it in a moment. Like we were saying, I don't think we're going to see this, the Mac Studio become like a new industry standard in like, you know, hardcore processing heavy environments over like more artistic environments. I think that artistic environment is who it's being sold to the most. Uh, but this is still a powerful machine. We saw new tests coming out uh, yesterday yeah. that were comparing it to the Threadripper. And if you like Mac OS or can deal with Mac OS, that does make this another option in that power level. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think it was one of the third gen, the third gen Threadrippers that they were, the, that they were comparing it to. And, and granted, that was one leak benchmark. I think we got to wait and see more benchmarks to get a better idea. Um, the single core performance, and with the exception that there's more of them, is probably going to be very similar to M1. And there'll be more of them. But remember, these are the same cores scaling all the way down to M1. So I imagine it's going to be the multi-core performance, especially on like the 20-core the chip, where they have a lot more of them. We're going, to, we're going to see the gains as opposed to single core, where you know single core is going to be the same core. So if we move on to another question, uh, uh, this one says this kind of display is very hard stalking talking about the studio display. Uh, this kind of display is very hard to find in the generic market. When you consider the color output and quality for media work, you really end up spending upward of 3k to 4k USD. So this is a good option. Um, I don't do a lot of media work. I've always been like very impressed by the idea of like buying a monitor specifically looking for it to be like color neutral. Uh, so I don't have a good basis uh, of comparison for that there. Um, yeah, I but... just, I just pulled a couple up just for, for giggles. And for instance, I just pulled up a random Dell 8k that goes to like 3,700, which is less than the XDR display. But like that's, but it's to say that like the really high end displays can, easily be in the thousands. So for some people, this is actually the budget option. Exactly. But it's sort of like you have to be in that space, right? So if you're like us and you're probably, we're using gaming and productivity displays, this idea that you'd spend so much is kind of crazy. But once you get into a place where this is the tool that makes you your money, then like they go up 
here's um, here's like Sony reference monitors that are like thirty thousand dollars. Like one just came up from Google, and those things exist. These broadcast reference monitors. So thirty thousand dollars. Well, at that point, I guess having to spend four hundred dollars for height adjustability seems a little not like an issue to oh, me. That's the big thing I don't like about this monitor. I know I sound like I'm really harping on it, but it's just a tiny little piece of metal and plastic and it costs $400, whatever. They had to build it into the case. <laughs> um, what is it? Looking at the current prices for GPUs doesn't look like a bad deal. I'm not sure what this was re referring I think, to. So, I, think, I think they're referring to the claims against the 3090. Yeah, I think, I think I was glad to bring that up as well. I think, again, that's absolutely going to be the type of thing where you're going to have to see the tests. And it, that also depends on what you're using the GPU for. Like this, The idea that this integrated GPU is going to match the RTX 3090 in gaming is laughable to me. I mean, if someone wants to prove me wrong, I would love to see it. That would It would make me laugh really, really hard. Would it even be able but, to ray trace is the thing? Whatever. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure if it has the just in the infrastructure. Isaac like is giving me a, a yeah, no. Is, but probably not. I think you need. I, I mean, I could see a studio. I could see an artistic use for being able to ray trace, but oh, absolutely. But I, I think we're gonna have to see this in in really creative benchmarks. I want to see somebody run, you know, Adobe Adobe platform on it and see when they're or like render video or transcode video. You know, we're saying you know. Oh, this might be very powerful for certain productivity, but it's not for gaming. I agree. At the same time, there is a space that is a nice intersection between productivity and gaming, and that is game development. Um, yeah. And I know a surprising number of game developers who actually prefer the Mac ecosystem, uh, just because because you have to keep track of so many files when you're in doing game development. And some people just prefer Mac's like convenience and ease of use and the way the finder works for that. Uh, but then, you know, you also need your PC to be powerful or your computer to be powerful enough to at least test it. Um, and obviously I'm talking about a very niche market here, um, yeah. but I'm curious to see how much this will be adopted among those people, especially because, um, you know, content creators uh, like Javier was talking about, indie game developers would be another, I think, individual as opposed to company that might be something that uh, would want to buy the Mac Studio. Uh, so then we have another comment here, um, which just says, I think the design of the new iPhone SE is a bit disappointing, which I think is fun to end on. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Andrew? Uh, you said basically an iPhone 8. I mean, I, I was looking at the specs the other day. It is effectively the iPhone 8. It is the same. It is the exact same dimensions. The weight isn't exactly the same, but I think that's partially due to things like different sizes in battery, like different battery size and other components that add that weight. The display is the exact same resolution. The cameras are the same, with the exception that the new SE has some of the software features that the 8 doesn't have. And of course, you get things like Touch ID. Um, yeah. Wait, you they get Touch probably, ID on the SE? On I the only SE, have yeah. Face ID. Right, there's no Face ID on the SE. It's just like the 8, you get Touch ID. And no face I'm actually ID. jealous of that because, like, it's such a shame. Apple put so much effort into, like, making Face ID. And then a couple months later, it's like, everyone, please wear masks for the next few months. <laughs> yeah. 
iOS 15.4 should help with that, and that they're going to have the mask mode if you want it. Um, I think a the people I know the most about who either have the SEs or still have, like my parents still have eights, for instance, and they like they like Touch ID. It's simple. They know how it works. They don't they don't have to worry about scanning their face things like that. And to re like if, when you update, you kind of have to relearn your muscle your muscle memory. So I think for a lot of people who like just don't don't care about the spec otherwise they just want a phone and they want that phone to be an iPhone and don't care about anything else that's not so bad I think the new designs are a little more exciting but uh, okay so we have one more viewer comment that I want to bring about just because we're reaching time which is everything is going to be sold out anyway um we did see the Apple devices go on sale the Mac studio and the studio display uh both went up for sale yesterday. Yeah, um, they will start shipping out on the 18th. Um, I checked this morning, but I haven't checked since then. I believe you can still buy them. Um, I don't know what the Apple magic here is, but Apple is not something I would expect to sell out in the same way that NVIDIA, Apple, AMD, uh, or Intel do. Apple does sell out. What Apple does, and I don't understand why anybody else can't do this, is that they will take your money and tell you this is probably when you'll get your product. That's what Steam you... is doing. Uh, no, go on. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of what Steam is doing. Yeah, I'm, I think Apple has it down to a bit more of a science, but they, for the longest time, will take your money. And like, if you go to, I have the studio display page open right now, right? And if you get this, the standard one with the standard glass and the regular stand, you could order it today. And while it's shipping, it's shipping starting on March 18th, it's back ordered to, to April 1st. But they will take my money. They're not going to tell me to go away like so many other sites do. Like when you try to buy it, buy it in like a video card, they say, yeah, add it to bag and we'll ship it to you then. And I don't understand why not, why buying every single thing on the internet isn't that easy. That's what makes sense to me. I'm not an online shopping expert, so I can't say whatever on the back end prevents that from happening for something like Amazon or Best Buy or whatever. But uh, yes, that is something that I would appreciate as well. April 1st is not that much further behind March 18th. So unless they're just trying to make a fool out of you, Andrew. I mean, the, the other thing is Apple and TSMC are kind of like this right now. So if you're talking about like the Mac Studios, where I'm seeing those ones are pushed back a little further. The M1 Ultra currently is pushed back to April 22nd. And the M1 Max version also to April 1st. But the but, thing is, if you put in that order now, it means you don't have to wait and come back a month later and try to get it in like the minute after it goes live. Or right. you can it's just live yeah. your life like a normal person, knowing that as soon as yeah. they're able to process your money, they will. Well, so TSMC and Apple, like they, they are buddies. TSMC gets a predictable customer that orders a crap ton of chips and wants their most expensive advanced nodes. And TSMC is happy to have a customer like that. So Apple's high up on their priority list. That's also pro the, the reason usually Apple magic can be explained by like money and business connections, I guess. Uh, but on that note, we are over time. Uh, so thank you for joining me, Andrew and Isaac. I appreciate you being a counterbalance to my Apple skepticism, Andrew. Uh, I appreciate you being a voice of reason on the things like the studio display being an investment, Isaac. Uh, thanks so much for everyone's comments throughout the stream. Uh, it was a blast to hang out with you all. 
and we will see you next Thursday at 3, 3 p.m. for the next episode of the Tom's Hardware Show. Bye, everyone. <laughs>